You're listening to Smart Businesses Do This. And today I am joined by TikTok legend, owner of the most impressive PC gaming chair and branding expert and expert in cryptocurrencies and crypto gaming and your number one host and place to go to for virtual assistance, my incredibly good friend, Jeff Hunter. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. What's up, Jeff? Wow. <laughs> yeah, great to be here. Dude. In the flesh. Yeah, it's great. Like you, So, you know, the podcast's cool because you can do it and communicate with people all over the world, uh, but there's very few people that are going to, like, get up off their butt and travel all the way across from wherever you live, which is a long way away. Where do you live? Near Sacramento. Yeah, this yeah. I've not heard of that place. I'm from England, so I don't know where Sacramento <laughs> is. But um, but it sounds like it's a long way away uh, to come here into the studio. Thank you so much for joining me, Jeff. Oh, it's a pleasure. So for, for people listening, guys, let me let me just start off by, you know, obviously it was a, a bit of a comical intro, but, but let me just be real. None of the things I said were false. That, that's actually true. Jeff is a man of many talents. He's He went viral on TikTok for having the coolest gaming chair of all time. Um, but in and of his his own self, he is an expert, of first and foremost, at marketing. That's what I would say you're actually incredible at, which enables you to bounce from TikTok to crypto, uh, to crypto gaming, which most people don't even know about, yeah. um, and, and and to master each one of these things. So, so Jeff, why don't you just, just start off just, you know, in a couple of minutes, let, let people know who you are and uh, why you never change your socks. Well, yeah, you, <laughs> what you don't know is that I got my pants kicked off here. Well, my, well, I should say my, my not the pants. The pants are still on, guys. But, but for now, it's getting hot in here. The pants might be coming off later. But no, I've got my favorite socks on. They got a hole in it, which unfortunately just happened today. But you know what? They're still my favorite socks. And I'm like, I kind of want to make a Facebook post like, okay, I got these favorite pair of socks. They've been my lucky socks. I've closed my biggest deals in these socks. And now they have a hole. Like if I patch the sock, does it lose it's does it does it lose its energy <laughs> or or do they in turn right now become a religious artifact because they are holy hey! <laughs> you know the funny part of what you said is that i actually found marketing later in my career i guess mm-hmm. because i actually would consider myself more of a uh, builder yeah like i like building engineering stuff i've always been into like computers and at a very young age, I was also very introverted. People wouldn't believe that about me now because I am, you know, I definitely go out and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable around people, but mm-hmm. I get burnt out real easy. Um, and I spent a lot of money and spent a lot of time with a coach back in 2017 to help me become more extroverted, I guess. But I'm just good at building things. And I accidentally became a branding person too because I realized that I started building a brand unintentionally mm-hmm. by getting results and people were like, Hey, you need a virtual assistant. Talk to Jeff. Same thing in my career before I left to become an entrepreneur, I became a top five project manager at a fortune 500 company. And I started getting recognition and I started being the mentor of like five, six project managers at a given time. 
And I started realizing, okay, like I started understanding, like there's value in developing out your own personal brand to where people see you as an expert, as an authority and people trust you. They see things. And of course, the other thing I've learned too in this space, as you've been in this space longer than me as an entrepreneur, but it's very, very easy to lose grace. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the, the circles keep getting smaller and smaller and you know, everywhere yeah. that we're at, it's like, oh, it's the same people. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because there's only so many people that have actually done a bunch of things and kept promises. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. everybody loves to talk a big talk, but then when it comes down to it, like, and especially like, look, we're not always going to win. Like you and I can be, become business partners, start something together and shit can hit the fan. Yeah. Am I allowed to cuss? You can, you okay? can cuss. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I'm going to try to make things right. We're going to make things work and we're going to set expectations. And I've had things so that don't work out. And, and my clients are still with me, mm-hmm. right? See, I, I love that because, you know, and Jeff's got a really valid point here. Uh, th- there's this whole concept of um, imposters and imposter syndrome. And I've always found I, I trust people that have imposter syndrome a lot more than people that don't. Because that doesn't mean that people without imposter syndrome are fake. That, that's not what I'm saying at all. I've definitely met people that are just very confident and because they're very good at what they do. But most of the time, someone with imposter syndrome really cares about doing it right. Like they want to do it right. And that's why they have imposter syndrome because they feel that they could be doing better and they want to keep trying. Whereas those that are like, no, I'm a badass. Like you're right. They, they tend to disappear. Mm. And um, I, I can look back at all the different industries I've been in from, from dating to business um, to to copywriting and offer creation, which I, I do a lot of. And there are names that people just don't know anymore because they came, they were a big deal for two, three years, made some money and then upset a lot of people. And now they just don't exist anymore. Yeah, you can only fake it for so long, right? Right, yeah. I mean, the fire Festival is probably the biggest thing that people would recognize, <laughs> right? Do you remember the, the yeah. fire Festival? Because yeah. that was in the build-up to the fire Festival. It was like, everyone's got to go, everyone's got to go. Yeah. But the logistics was so bad that it was the worst thing ever done. And, you know, the guy's in jail. And that's it. Like, you know, it is possible to brand and fix that. He would have to do underground events <laughs> and he would have to announce that a third party is actually organizing the logistics. I felt bad for the guy. You know, like, it's funny because I, when I watched the fire thing, like I was into it and mm-hmm. I was like, wow, you know that the sad part is that could have been the best event ever. Yeah. It could have, if he would have just had a little bit more intelligence on actually I would say even team like if he would have he had the right team, team yeah but you know? 100% he needed implementers yeah he was a visionary without implementers and he spent the money yeah and that's the, that's, that's, that's what it, it comes down to yeah so and, but, yeah. But, that, but to your point that's the issue right there's so many fake people in the world that have the idea have the vision tout that they're an authority brand themselves as the expert and then it all it all falls apart on the flip side there's probably a whole bunch of people listening to this who today know they're an expert and yet don't have the branding. So I'm not recognized. Them. Right. Because I remember I used to tell everyone, I was like, you know, for a while, the best kept secret in dating. I was one of the only dating coaches in the world that could guarantee results. Mm. And no one really knew who I was for many years. Mm. And then when everyone sort of like started recognizing me, um, I wasn't charging money for it. So I wasn't making any money. Yeah. So it was just, the, there was so many things wrong. You're doing logos then. for your competitors for 50 bucks. Do it. Exactly. You know, I was, I was when you need 50 bucks, you need 50 bucks. 
Um, and I've got motion graphic skills, yeah. But, but the point is, you know, um, you do have to brand yourself, right? So, you know, just to for, the, for everyone listening here, what, what's like some key things people do need to know about branding or like if they could here, do it? Like, here's, here's something that is really funny and it comes back to what, how you even introduced me as a master marketer. The I'm kind of counterculture in marketing. You you know that mm-hmm. about me. Like I'm not like the Facebook ads guy. I don't run ads for any of my businesses, and which would probably shock people as a marketer. I'm wearing a, a hat right now. This is Savage Marketer, and let's go back to TikTok. Yep. So if you want to get first off, marketing is is the economy of attention. Mm-hmm. How do you get attention? And um, so there's there's two different real variables that I say. Um, one of them is attention. The other one is actually having a good product. <laughs> and I think like so many people are trying to sell crap. Yeah. And if they just focus on putting a good product together, they would be able to keep and retain customers. Every time you see a digital marketing agency, what are they always looking for? New clients. I have a 97.14. I know because I just did this <laughs> for the for the quarter. So I have a 97.14% retention rate of my clients. So every time I get a new client, it's just additional revenue for the company. Yep. And that's how I've been able to sustain 100% growth every year since 2016. It's great. Right? Like I know that last year I did 1.7 for one of my businesses. And I know that this year, if I am on the same pace, I will do 3.4. Yep. Because literally... All I have to do is match the same numbers as I did last year and it will double my revenue. It's great. I don't have to worry about, you know, I, I have 3% of my people that fall off. And here's the other cool part is not, it's actually a downhill battle. It's actually easier because most of the clients that I work with, they become a higher LTV, a, a lifetime, lifetime value. value. So like most of the clients that I work with, I'm always trying to focus on how can I add more value to them? So that instead of just worrying about getting new clients, well, how can I add more to my existing client pool and re- and obviously increase my revenue, but but more importantly, add more value to them? Yeah, the focus is on delivering a better product and a better service and better results for your clients, as opposed to finding new clients, which you don't need to do. One of my, my biggest complaints about uh, agencies in general is the typical method for agencies is find 20 clients so that we can succeed with two of them mm. that happen to be the unicorns, mm. drop the other 18 and claim we have two winners. Right? Which is, but that's a very common model in the agency huh. world. Um, yeah. Whereas what you're, you're talking about is the exact opposite. And I resonate with that. Like uh, we have our, the smart blueprint, right? Which is um, all the standard operating procedures we use. When we acquire a company, we put these operating procedures in place to make the company grow. And it's just a sequence of steps and processes we add. And we developed it initially for ourselves. So once we developed it, we were like, well, we should sell this because it was a no-brainer to sell something that worked so well for us. When we first launched it, it was great. made a lot of money for that first year. And at the end of the year, I looked at everyone. There was no complaints. Everyone was very happy. But probably only a third of the original wave of people had what I would call phenomenal results. Like we had one guy that, you know, made a million in a year off the back of a $5,000 investment, which was phenomenal. There was somebody else who started earning like 50 grand a month. But there were definitely, I would say, about two thirds of the people where the results were, they made a little bit more than they invested. Yeah. And I was really unhappy at the end of that first year. Mm. No one complained. 
So imagine the joy on my team's face when I informed them that we'd be recreating the product from scratch. Mm. And they were like, why? No one complained, right? The, <laughs> it did the bare minimum it needed to do. No one complained. We made a lot of money. And I was like, the problem is the standard operating procedures worked for us, but I think we're injecting our own skill sets into them, which is what's making them pop. What is written on the paper, we're adding something to it. So when we hand it to somebody else, one third of the clients are capable of doing it, the other two thirds, not so much. So I redid the whole program for free and invited all the people that did it year one to come and take part in year two. And I worked closer with them to work out what was missing. Mm. In return, I would say the new Smart Blueprint is probably the most detailed set of standard operating procedures I've ever seen that you can plug and play in a company that go from conception of what will my business be right through to how I handle my testimonials and get referral sales mm -hmm. with every piece in between from hiring and firing and everything, right? But it would never have been that robust or that whole if I wasn't focused on the most important metric, which is making sure like you said, people are happy that the people are freaking happy. Yeah. 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 Well, that even goes back to when you first introduced me about all the different things I'm in. I have VA staffer, my yep. virtual assistant agency. Mm -hmm. I have branded media, a branding and marketing agency that does, you know, not no ads. <laughs> <laughs> Although we are open to it. I'm talking with a couple ad agencies right now to add that feature in. Awesome. It's just that I am, I love organic so much because I think when people don't, don't get me wrong. There's a, there's a case obviously for paid ads and obviously for scaling, there's, that's still the best way mm -hmm. to, to make money is to scale with ads with a converting offer. With a converting offer. Oh my God. Every time I hear somebody sell something that doesn't convert, it's yep. frustrating. Yep. But um, it comes back to what I found and what you just said is that I don't feel like a lot of people really think about when they're building out a product is the team that's required to support that product. Mm -hmm. Like for me, my very first business that I launched was VA Staffer, the virtual assistant business, and it requires zero of my time. I'm actually giving more time to the business than it needs. I'm doing a call every morning at 9 a.m. It's a 30 minute call with my leadership team. There's nine leaders on the team. And that is that's all I do. I show up. They say, hey, how are the sales looking? How are the how are the numbers, you know, like, are the clients happy? Are there any, you know, issues? How's the recruitment going? So I have somebody who's doing recruitment and, and, you know, HR type stuff. And I've got someone who's doing the inbound sales calls. I have two people on sales calls and things like that. Like I'm not doing anything for that business and it didn't happen overnight. You yeah. know, <laughs> it's like everyone always wants that overnight success. And, you know, it took me like five, six years to really get the team that I have in place. And it took me hundreds of people to get to the 150 people that I have now on my team. Dude, I, I love um, the overnight success thing always cracks me up. Um, I remember, uh, you know, anytime I've ever been accused of having an overnight success, I'm thankful. I've, I've been doing this for, you know, two decades now. And I have a lot of people that have known me at that time. And now my friends will say it. They'll pipe up and go, oh, look, another one of your overnight successes that only took 10 years. Um, and and that's, the, that's exactly what you're talking about. Like, I loved when you, you know, you were kind enough to share your numbers, um, you know, talking about 1.7 uh, going to 3.4 um, million this year. You, you know your numbers and a lot of companies don't know their numbers. But where this gets really interesting is you explained your history as well. You don't have to do a little bit of math to work out. You're growing 100% year on year in 2022. Um, you're hoping to 3.4, which means in 2021, you did 1.7. And we can go back to 2016, which means at the very, very beginning, 
you weren't making a lot. I was of making money. like two hundred fifty grand. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was, and, and that wasn't even profit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So, and and I think yeah. this is the other piece about business. I, I was talking to to one of my business partners um, in a in a, a new venture, something that he's starting, and I'm I'm guiding him through. He keeps changing his branding mm. every. 30 to 60 days. Oh, that's so harsh. And the reason he's doing it is because he feels the reason he's not getting quote unquote success is because um, it's not right. Mm. So every time he has a single phone call where somebody doesn't buy, he sits down and rearranges all of his marketing. Mm. And uh, obviously this is not the right thing to do, but it's actually a trend I've seen. I've seen Uh, that people do this. Well, here's the thing. It's funny because, you know, Back to the intro again, we talked about crypto, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And it's funny how everything kind of works out because I've always been a huge gamer mm-hmm. and you know, cause you're a huge gamer, Yep. but um, I have always loved games. I think back all the way back to Mario brothers days. I mean, I used to have my, I grew up very poor. My family didn't have an Atari. We had a Sears entertainment system, nice. which was a, Sears branded Atari 2600. <laughs> nice. nice. Um, that's what we had. And I, my dad actually still has it in one of his sheds or whatever. And I'm like, never sell that. That's like <laughs> sentimental of yeah. anything, right? But the reason why I started the branding agency is the same reason I started the crypto agency. And well, I'll tell you a bit more of that. But, but when I started building the team, I started realizing a lot of people will come to me. And this is a problem that bu- a lot of businesses owners do as well. And it's probably the same problem that your boy has that keeps changing his business. Yep. Is that you people come to you and they're like, I want to give you money if you can help me with this. And then you're kind of, I don't want to say desperate, but like you want to take on that business. So you're like, you know what? Yeah, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. So the next thing to know, you're growing your team, you're expanding a bunch of things that are not scalable. You because like you have a web design project that comes in or a graphic design project when you have a marketing agency, mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, well, then you start building the web team. So that's what happened with me in, in 2014 when I first started my business. That was like the beginning $150,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it was like boom, 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 boom. Yep. Um, and I still had a job, by the way. I was working my full time job in 2016. You, you had to back then. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, I didn't have enough money to, and, you know, and it's crazy too, because I have a new business partner, which is coming here, Trisha. And like, it's, it's crazy. Cause like when I brought her into the business, well, I'll get into that in a minute, but when you bring in a business partner, which we were just talking about before the show, I feel like that's what we should do. We should always record before we start the show. Oh yeah. We, we always have such good <laughs> conversations. True. I feel so bad for everybody not listening. <laughs> um, but when I started building VA staffer, people kept coming to me saying, hey, I need web. I need graphics. I need whatever. But I built a Filipino virtual assistant company where it's $1,500 a month for a full-timer, $800 for a part-timer. Now you're taking a completely different skill set, which costs a lot more. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to fit it into people who are coming to VA staffer for a low cost you know, support, yep. which doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So- I couldn't charge what I needed to charge to be able to attract and hire the people that I want to to do. And also I wasn't able to charge a lot to my clients to, to suffice the projects because they would look back and say, well, you're just hiring a bunch of Filipinos for two bucks an hour. Makes sense. Which isn't right. Mm-hmm. So I had to create, I had to create a new business, branded media. Shout out to Dennis Yu, who told me this in the Philippines, actually. He was like, Jeff, you're, 
what you're doing is so different than the VAs. He's like, you should start a branding agency and like you should, you can easily compete with these companies that are doing fifty, hundred thousand dollars and you can do a really great price point at 15 to 25 grand. You can leverage some of your Philippine team to do fulfillment. I have my business partner, Trisha, who I brought up, who Mm -hmm. she's the creative director now. I just, we just basically, uh, I brought her on as a partner and we, we acquired her previous agency called Hero Brand. So like now I have a really amazing team dedicated to just the branding agency. Love it. But the core was the original VA staffer team. Mm -hmm. And the cool part about that is that when I got, I've always been in gaming. So now I have a dream come true situation where I'm already being asked because I love. Oh, nice. Of course, my gaming company. Here here it comes, right? Yeah. Brilliant. So the gaming companies see that I'm getting visibility with their stuff. Okay. By the way, this is the long story that brings us back to the freaking savage marketing. Yep. Okay. People always ask me like, why would you spend $13,000 on a freaking gaming rig? Right. Yeah. So for, for everyone listening, um, if you've ever seen, uh, you know, a viral video or a viral photo, photograph of like this, uh, you know, uh, Texan looking dude who is sitting in a giant chair that looks like a scorpion, but it's a, a PC gaming rig for Call of Duty. <laughs> Uh, that is uh, Jeff here. That's, yeah, it's that's the most chair. viral gaming chair video of all time. It mm-hmm. was the number one vo- most viewed video on TikTok in September of 2020. Nice. Um, it was absolutely insane. When it went viral, not only did my videos pick up viral, I got like almost 20 million views on my video alone on my account. But then what was crazy was the official TikTok gamer account republished it. Mm-hmm. They did ask for permission. But I was all swagged out by Savage Marketer Swag, so, so I yeah, didn't care. Yeah. yeah. Pubicity picked it up. Uh, Hoodvids picked it up. It's crazy. I became a meme on friggin' Gag9 or whatever that's called. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Nine Gag, I don't know. That's so funny. Like, I literally was memed. I, was be- I became a meme. And the meme that I, that I created was called Adult Money. So now it's about adult money. That's really good. And... So what happened with that was I got all these video game developers. I got all these game gaming vendors coming out to me saying, hey, dude, we want to do some collabs with you, things like that. Oh, cool. And I was very selective because I didn't care about the money. I already has. Obviously, you already have lots of money. Yeah. I have a thirteen thousand dollar gaming chair. I don't have a problem <laughs> with money. Right. Yep. So but for me, I did it because I wanted to start building an audience. Brilliant. Right. Yep. And now the reason why the crypto thing came in is because I have, and you know me from my VA staffer business, I have a huge compassion and vision for helping solve global poverty by empowering and using entrepreneurship and capitalism. Okay, for those of you who don't believe in capitalism, you're not, you're listening to the wrong podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Big, smart businesses do this. Yeah. (laughs) Fill in the blank, capitalism. Yeah. All right. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, we we need capital. But I believe that we can use our businesses for good. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And I'm giving so many amazing opportunities to these Filipino families. I had a, on my project management call this morning, I was just telling them about how I entrust them completely to run my business if anything ever happened to me. Like, I'm getting emotional now. That's good. But I want to set something up to just make the world a better place. I know that sounds like cliche or whatever, but like, to imagine that I have a business, I have a recruiter who hires people, amazing people that have really shitty jobs mm-hmm. at, at call centers and teaches them how to become executive assistants to make two, three times more than they could ever make in their own countries. Yeah. Like that's so fulfilling to me. 
And when I found out that I could play video games and make money, but most of these video games in the crypto space are expensive, you know, like I just got done buying. I'm working on a, I probably shouldn't say it, but I'm going to. I don't know when this podcast is released. It, but, it'll take a while. Okay. <laughs> so I'm working on a deal with some of the developers behind Roblox. They're nice. coming out with something online called Open Blocks. Mm-hmm. And me and my partners are about to spend 65 grand on characters for this game that's coming out. We negotiated a private sell price to be basically be 25% off of what the public price is going to be. And guess what? We buy all these in-game characters for our people to play. Cool. And earn money more than they could make at a regular job. Just playing games. Playing games. Awesome. I feel like this is a dream come true for me. Yeah. Like I here I am. I grew up a gamer the whole time. My my parents have always said, like, dude, you're never gonna, you know, like dude, dude, wait, you, you, <laughs> I, you know I mean? my dad literally said to me, You're never gonna get a real job playing video <laughs> games. And I feel like that's what you're just about to I'm say. I'm about to say yeah, that. That's exactly like, what my dad said. I had so many people in my life like Jeff. Quit playing the games. So you're never going to do anything with it. You're never going to amount to anything. You know, shout out to my grandpa, Jesse. By the way, that's why I go by Jeff J. Hunter. Got it. Jesse is my middle name. My grandpa, Jesse. He bought me my very first computer when I was like, I don't know, 10, 9. He, he installed QBasic on it for me so I could learn how to do some coding development. I remember modifying the friggin' gorilla game with the yep. bananas so that I like coded a penis on him and stuff, you know, like <laughs> I was just that kid, you know, like yep. I hacked the library so that <laughs> when people logged into their computers before they logged off, it would print on one of those dot matrix, you know, yeah. those printers. It, it, the library was one day, it just endlessly printed a horrible <laughs> graphic of this, of the skull and crossbones and underneath it, it said bad to the boner, right? <laughs> I've always been a phallic sick kid. <laughs> and now all of that stuff that I've been doing as a kid, learning how to hack, how to game, how to develop, how, how to earn. And of course I love math, you know, and now the ability to, to take all of those tokens. Think about this. How many times, how many hours did we spend playing Mario Brothers? Dude? Oh yeah. Just so. jumping up and down, smashing that damn Question Grabbing mark the coins. with the coins. Yep. And all for what? Just to get more coins than everyone else. Just to prove like, I got this many coins. But now the ability to take those coins out of the game mm-hmm. and actually provide real value for something else. To be able to exchange that for something else on the blockchain. This is freaking the future of gaming. Yeah. How many hours of Call of Duty did you and I play to get that stupid gun? Yep. To upgrade that stupid thing. To, to buy those coins and get the battle pass and whatever. And it's all in there. If there's nothing we can do, we can't take it out of the game. And now we're at a point to where we can buy and sell things inside games and everybody earns and wins and makes money and has fun doing it. And, and this is, this is the new age ownership Mm -hmm. and whether it's business, whether it's service, whatever it is, I feel like for those of you listening in who never know anything about crypto, I want to explain because you probably hear this buzz phrase a lot, Web 3, Web Mm 3.0. Web 1 is put something online and people can read it. Yep. Right? Web 2 is logging into a site and having conversations. Facebook, right? Things like that. Social media. It's a a portal. Twitter. Yeah. Where you have have an account, but not ownership, right? Like Trump was banned on Twitter. He didn't own his account. He he was given the ability to create an account. Web 3.0 is ownership. 
you log in with a wallet and you own everything that you have and you you are going to a specific website and you're taking your assets with you and things that are generated in that website are yours you own them so that's the that's the new phase now now what what's really cool about this just just for everyone listening and i i want to bring this full circle because <laughs> we went on a tangent no, no we, we actually but we didn't and this is why what i love about this and this is why you know jeff is so important it would be very easy to listen to this podcast and think this is disjointed. They've jumped from gaming chairs, TikTok, to uh, to crypto, to gaming, to supporting families that can't support themselves. But but the reality is we've come back around to the first piece again, which which I, I'm going to remind you guys, which is branding. In Web 3.0, as it was with Web 2.0 and with Web 1.0, there will be uh, two parts to the game. One part to the game will be building your profile in, in the case of Web 3.0, collecting the tokens, playing the game. But those that collect the most coins, those that collect the most tokens or build up the most NFTs or, or develop you know, the most uh, real estate space in, in the Web 3.0 universe, in the meta universe, um, those people will have eyeballs. Mm. And those with eyeballs will potentially go the way as many Web 2.0 people did, mm. which is I'm a famous YouTuber and no, no one knows who I am. Mm. And we can look at like once upon a time, it's PewDiePie who is now vanished. Yep. Um, once upon a time, it was the annoying orange yep. who was now vanished. Yep. Um, and we, we now have the new, the new guard, the newer people. But as with everything, there are some of those people that did manage to survive. Mm -hmm. And the ones that survived had branding. Boom. And it was the branding that the, when the eyeballs came, they could do something with it. Exactly like you said, it doesn't matter who sh shares and steals my video. While other creators are upset, oh, my video got uploaded by somebody else. Now they're getting the credit with your logo in every single image, with your, you know, the, the hat that you wear every time I see, I've seen you, the Savage Marketer <laughs> hat. It doesn't matter who steals it. It gets seen yeah. absolutely everywhere, every single time because of the branding, right? And so, so to, to, the point is, it could look like Jeff is completely disjointed with his branding. But as I said right at the very beginning, what Jeff is, um, you know, somebody who likes building systems, clearly, but systems around marketing. And that marketing has enabled him to maintain the branding of Jeff. And here's the beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. The deals that I'm doing right now in blockchain, in crypto gaming space, is because all people have to do is go to Google and type Jeff J. Hunter. And there's just a huge... I'm a Google verified gamer, mm -hmm. right? Influencer. Yep. So my Google is literally integrated. I have the ability anytime I want to grab my phone, go directly to Google and upload directly to my Google page. So when people Google me, I can put a video on there anytime. Like there's, really cool. that's an invite only thing. It's not, that's not for everybody. Yeah. And I've worked really hard on developing my personal brand, working with Entrepreneur and Forbes and you know, I, I have shout out to Kamanzi Constable, who's helped coach me on, you know, how to get accepted into things like CEO world and things. And, you know, I just got invited to, you know, these cool events and stuff where, you know, the, the who's of who's are. And I wouldn't have been able to, to do these deals if it wasn't for my personal brand. Mm -hmm. I started the CryptoGamingTeam.com, which, by the way, I can't believe I even own that domain. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's a seven-figure domain. That's Easy. great. Crypto Gaming Team. It's great. Right? Yep. Like that just, it's okay. legit. It's really good. Um, and I was able, because I, and here's the beautiful part. Here's where it ties back in. I have the staff to run it. 
Don't have to do anything because yeah. I already have the staff. I just have to give them you the have instructions. The team. Right, exactly. Like we said, you see, and this is the beauty, right? This is this is how you know you're dealing with with somebody who likes building things and somebody who's, who's actually a genius. Um, <laughs> but no, because many people like I, I talk about this in public relations because right? I, I worked in PR for many many years and 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 to I, I can use the media when needed. But I always say to somebody, okay, so you've gone viral, now you got eyeballs. Where are they going? Mm. Because you had better have put that in place before you go viral. Yeah. There are so many cases of people that went viral and were not ready for it. Oh, I've done that too, though. Oh, oh, <laughs> I've done that too. Oh, it's a thing. And if you're not ready to capture it, and this has actually, I think, been my, my strong point. From the very first time I went viral, which was back in 2006, I was ready mm. because I'd already been doing public relations since yeah. I was 18 years Smart. old. So I knew the very first time I went viral, um, I got featured in a, in a big magazine and two documentaries in the UK. Uh, for dating, which is my background, but I already had a website set up. So I already had it going. I was already yeah. collecting my leads from the very beginning because I yeah. knew those eyeballs needed to go somewhere, right? Um, and so, so that's a key factor. So let's, you know, to, to bring it on home for some people, right? So I've got a couple of quick fire questions. Normally okay. I wouldn't do this, somewhere, but I'm doing it to you. All right, so you bought a $13,000 gaming chair. <laughs> that, that, went, that was massive, right? Okay, now what's really cool about that is you just spent an amount of money and then made a cool video with your branding and, and that was it. Name three items, you can invent them, they don't have to be real, <laughs> that, that, that would be so unique that somebody could right now go out, spend $15,000 and just buy it, make a video, and before you know it, they would be massive. Go for it. Good luck. On the spot. No prep. <laughs> so people are always intrigued by things that they can't have, they can't afford, yep. or they can't imagine. Okay. So the three things that drive human nature human nature human nature human nature um <laughs> first off women okay people love women so okay. look at dan blazerian you know i know you you know him mm -hmm. uh very well <laughs> yep um look at he got famous by having chicks on boats right yep. so like how can you position yourself in some sort of a manner and not to sound uh not to sound I, no, I got you i got you okay let me play this exercise with you here we go this is it we will get an android a robot yeah we'll put it inside a real doll Yes. And because real dolls, like, I think, I don't know how much they are. I'm guessing they're a few thousand dollars. That's, yeah, that's yeah, much I know. Yeah. I don't know how many, there but they're go. a few there thousand. And then you put an animatronic inside. Yes. That is, uh, that is AI powered with the, because uh, they have that AI girlfriend app now. We would get so many views on that. And that is now the very first AI robot real doll girlfriend. We for sure would go viral with that. That's the first one. All right, cool. All right, next okay. one. Go for it. <laughs> As a matter of fact, my <laughs> most recent viral video that got almost 2 million is my AI viral girlfriend. <laughs> is a girl uh -huh. robot nice. from the CES convention. Mm -hmm. And I and and it was it actually was like, "Oh, I see you're wearing a hat." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa." And I started asking it questions and stuff, okay? That's pretty cool. So, so again, that Piques right. people's curiosity. You, you always want to pique people's curiosity. The, the second thing I would say is, what is a cool ass item mm -hmm. that also would add value to your brand? So for example, the $13,000 gaming chair, dude, how much would you have to pay in Facebook ads or TikTok ads or ads in general to get 20 million views and 180,000 followers or 130,000 or whatever? You'd have, how much, it would cost you 100,000 in ads. Okay, I'm going to go to a zoo. And I'm going to, bear with me, I'm going to go to a zoo and I'm going to find the ape exhibit and I'm going to buy <laughs> tiny costumes for all of them. Oh my and I'm going to take pictures of each of the apes in their costumes 
and I'm going to upload them as NFTs. And it comes with and a donation amount from each NFT goes to help support that ape's future to buy a bigger, it would work. A bigger home. It would work. And that will be uh, real apes. That would be my NFT. Real apes NFT. Uh, it would work. Okay, cool. All right, go for All it. Right. Third one. The third one. So <laughs> I'm thinking about gaming, right? right so gaming. like, let's talk about, let's talk about regular business now. Like okay. the most, the majority here, let's help. Give me a poll here. 50% of your audience owns what type of business? Um, I would say 50% of my audience are experts. Experts. Yeah, the experts in something. All right. So if you're an expert in something, mm-hmm. what is something? So I want to make this actionable for these guys, right? I get it. Yeah. So like, if you're an expert in, um, let's say that you are a digital marketing agency. Okay. Right? Yeah. Sure. So what is, uh, what is something? Now, we know that cars work. Yep. Okay. Cars work really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but everyone's got a nice car now. They got a Maserati, they got a Lambo, you know, yep. whatever. But what is something that you could use as a troll item? Okay. I got it. I know exactly. What troll. You're All right, here we go. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to find one of those old smart cars mm. and we're going to convert it into a Bugatti. <laughs> all the logo, all the design, but it's still just a smart car, but yeah. it's skinned like a Bugatti. It's like the Bugatti skin on my smart yeah. car. So a good example of that is in India, uh-huh. there's a guy who went viral for making a wooden Lambo. I saw that. <laughs> and he's got like a pull yeah. motor I, in the back, like a freaking lawnmower. That's good. That's So that's something that people could imagine. And then they're laughing. And by the way, if you'll notice the viral video that went the most viral for me was a troll video of someone making fun of my $13,000 gaming chair. That's really funny. And that's what I like about this. Again, everyone zig when everyone zags. I talk about this all the time in marketing, Mm -hmm. right? If everyone else is trying to get a nice car, then you want to be the person that doesn't troll it. Yeah. I have a, I have a really good buddy of mine, uh, Steve Sims. He's been on the podcast. Oh, I know Steve. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Steve, one of my favorite things he did recently was that he took a picture um, on his private jet and uh, he goes, I'm just uh, flying on my, my private jet with 180 of my closest friends because he was actually flying coach. <laughs> and it was the best because everyone talks about like their 10 seat jets. And he goes, mine's got 180 seats. <laughs> that's and we did a ride share on my jet. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. Did a ride share. Yeah. So it was just, uh, yeah, just I think a great that, one. I think that if you use humor, yeah. you know, I think, you know, more than just objects, I think just using humor and being counterculture. I think right now, Counterculture is really big because everyone's trying to do the same thing. Yep. And like you said, you got to zig when you zag. And, and you know, the, the goes back to the whole premise of, of my whole Savage Marketer brand, which is you can't do things average and expect savage results. I love you, it. You've got to do something savage. And, and if, if you're still listening, by the way, kudos to you because, <laughs> you, no, genuinely, I think the back end of this podcast has so much value mm. that there's so many examples there for someone to go away and be like, wow, I could go viral by just really taking 10 minutes and just thinking this through of what can I be counterculture about that is that people would want to see, you know, everyone else in my industry is doing this. So I'm going to do that. I, I agree a hundred percent. And I, I, I love that. So there's so much here. So kudos to you if you stayed this long, um, which brings me to my final question. Um, at the end of the podcast, I always say to somebody, um, what is it that smart businesses do? So if you could start the sentence, smart businesses do this and then tell us what it is, what do they do? I'd say smart businesses Focus on the brand outside of the business. Because if there's one thing that I've learned about myself and even you is that most successful entrepreneurs, let's Elon Musk, for example, Elon Musk, 
the dude started PayPal, right? One of the biggest investors in X.com, which is what it used to be called. Um, and now he started Tesla, where is the number one. It's crazy because even though their production numbers are so low compared to everyone else, their stock price is way higher than everyone else combined. Dude privatized, dude privatized space. And then he's landing rockets back after they're done, right? Like that's brilliant. And the dude has the boring company. And like, think of all the things that he's created because he's leveraged his personal brand. Yep. You have multiple companies. You've got your business, you've got your dating, you've got, you've got your consulting. You've, you've got your, yeah. Uh, you've got your Warhammer company. Yep. I just saw you before this show, you showed me a cool <laughs> commercial. You just shot for one. For me, I've got my branding agency. I have the virtual assistant business. I've got the crypto gaming team. People need to know that when you are looking for funding, when you're looking for investment, when you're looking for people to trust you, um, they're not looking at the vehicle. They can choose from a thousand different businesses in your same niche, but they want to see that the person that they're investing in, the jockey, right? Yep. It's not the horse, it's the jockey. Like you got to make sure that the person is obsessed and you know their, their core values. So if you do not have your core values, if you don't know who you stand for, if you don't know what you stand for, then... That's what most people look for. And I've learned that. I've learned that the hard way because I've invested in people because they had a great idea, but not looked into the person themselves and they were a shitty person. Yeah. So I would definitely bet on a good person, someone who has results, someone who has a established authority and someone who has something to lose. Yeah. Bet on people that have something to lose. Yep. So that means you need to, to become that person who has something to lose. Yeah. I love that. Jeff, thank you so much. If people want to go and find out more about you, where do you want them to go? Uh, JeffJHunter.com. And, uh, you know, branding. just saying, you can just go to Google. <laughs> <laughs> Type in Jeff J. Hunter. You can see my cool Type little panel. Epic gaming chair. <laughs> there you go. I think it's uh, the official search term. If you want to see the chair is like game, best gaming cockpit. Something nice. like that. I love that. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much, man. Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit thesmartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.